Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. Um, Today it is May 25th, the year 2021. Or maybe you're listening to this 10 years in the future, or 20 years in the future, or maybe humanity didn't make it to that point. And I'm okay with it if it didn't, but... From this point forward, if I'm still alive, please message me if you have anything that you like to do to interact with the show on all of the social medias of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. Or you can email me at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. That's lifestyle, G is in gay, B is in black, B is in boy, at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to read your emails. I know typically every show I give y'all like a curse word limit or what I'm going to go to that's going to stop me from reading your letter. But honestly, at this point, I'm not going to do that because today we have something to talk about. We have something very important to talk about. We have something to talk about that I have never talked about on this podcast before. So if you feel that you want to talk to me about something after you listen to this podcast and you have curse words to use, it's perfectly fucking fine. And I usually don't include that in my descriptions, but I'm going to include it for y'all today because today it is perfectly fucking fine. And you know what? That's going to be the episode of today's episode. Perfectly fucking fine. So I didn't post an episode last week because a lot happened last week emotionally, physically, uh, and I had a lot of stressors that went on. And stressors are understandable when it comes to this thing that we call being human. Because as humans, we experience stress. As humans, one of our major stressors is leaving our house every day. I mentioned this before in a podcast. I mentioned this in multiple conversations. One of my favorite lines, one of my most favorite lines from the Lord of the Rings trilogy comes from Bilbo Baggins. And he says to Gandalf and to Frodo Baggins, who becomes the protagonist of Lord of the Rings, it's a scary business walking out your front, your door. And if you don't keep your feet, there's no telling where you'll be swept off to. It's a quote that I have lived my life by for decades at this point. Uh, it is a scary business leaving your front door. And if you don't keep your feet, you don't know where you will be swept off to. And it's so funny that this is the thing that I'm thinking of in this situation at this moment in my life. Because a lot has occurred since the moment that I pick up this microphone two weeks ago to today. So two weeks ago, my job focus was being an HIV prevention specialist, essentially. 
My job was about preventing people from contracting HIV. My job was about preventing people from contracting STIs. My job was about helping people who may be in a situation where you think you have contracted an STI to get treatment. My position in the past was if you think you've been exposed to HIV, to get treatment so you don't contract HIV. My job also consisted in, if you think that you have contracted HIV, a method to prevent you from becoming an HIV-positive patient. And on top of all of those things, my job consisted of, if you are HIV-positive, we can get you into treatment and it's no longer a death diagnosis, but it's something that can be maintained and you can still live a air quote, ordinary life. That's what my job was a week ago. Well, a week and a half ago. Maybe even two weeks if you want to put it at that. And then to find out the weekend that just passed, my job no longer consists of that. My job no longer consists of helping people who look like me who have just found out that they have HIV. My job no longer consists of the people who are afraid that they're going to contract AIDS. My job no longer consists of the things that are going to help people understand that HIV is no longer a death diagnosis, but is something you can live through, grow stronger with, maintain, and even hopefully live out to find a cure. My job doesn't consist of that, not of my own doing, not of my own fruition, not of my own will, not of my own desire, but it's that because a company that I work for that has told me that you care about people who are HIV positive literally stripped the position away from me. Now, all these things that I'm bringing up that I'm talking about passionately, there's things that if happened to me explicitly in my life, explicitly in the realm that I spend more hours at than I do at home. I no longer feel complete in my position, in my aptitude, in my life, because the position that I have worked so hard for, that I have turned down thousands of dollars for, has been snatched away from me. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do because the position that I worked for, that I worked hard for to get the name with, to work with the company with, has now thrown me to the wayside. They got what they needed out of me and they left me. And I don't know what to do. I'm not wrong for not knowing what to do. And this is a scenario that a lot of us will begin to face as we get back into the workforce as the COVID pandemic, in air quotes, is coming to an end. As more of our society is becoming vaccinated. As more of us are getting back to, air quotes, normal. Normal in the past didn't include Black people. Normal in the past didn't include anybody who's not white. Normal consisted of the world that existed for people who lived, air quotes, a blue-collar life. And then also, air quotes, a white-collar life. 
was above normal. It was above average. It was extraordinary or extraordinary, if you like to say the word that way. And at this point in my life, of everything that I've gone through, everything that I've done, everything that I've experienced, for one moment, I thought I finally had a door open to me, into the white collar, into everything that I needed to hope for, to become, to aspire to, to be the ideal American, to be the ideal citizen, to be the ideal adult who lives in a plutonic relationship with somebody with 2.5 children and a white picket fence that could never exist in the spectrum even if we tried to build it right now. I say all that to say because I'm pretty sure I sound angry, I sound frustrated, I sound upset, which I rightfully so am. But in this world that we call America and this life that we call being a United States citizen, there are so many things that alienate us and remove us from the life that we have so hardly hoped to build. I'll take it for myself. The job that I had was a prevention navigator. And a prevention navigator is somebody who works in an STI or sexual health clinic to get people on PEP, PrEP, which are prevention of HIV drugs and prevention of STIs, but to also build sex-positive relationships with the relationships that integrate with our clinic. I was told on Friday because of budget cuts, I will no longer be a face that is in the clinic that is promoting sexual positivity, PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis, which means this is treatment that's going to prevent you from getting HIV before you're even exposed to it, and post-exposure prophylaxis, which is treatment for HIV after you think you may have been exposed, but this treatment will prevent you from becoming HIV positive. But I was removed from those positions, and I was told because that was a for a budget cut. And with that budget cut, that meant that my position was going to be downgraded to a call center type job where I'm only enrolling people in health insurance. My focus has nothing to do with health care. My focus has nothing to do with sexual health, which is where my career is where I wanted to go. That was my career path because I built this. It was all taken away from me. And in those moments where I'm trying to express that you have literally redirected my career path as opposed to giving me a choice to be involved in the career that I want to be in when I look at myself at 65 year old and in the mirror to say I'm retiring is unfair. You took it from me and you didn't give me a chance to even say hello as you were taking it. That's part of what I want to talk about. But another part that I do want to talk about is what do we do? What do we do as employees in the situation when our career is no longer at the control of our own hands? Our career exists in the hands of people who make six-figure salaries, who have other people teaching and watching their kids at home, other people who don't live paycheck to paycheck, other people who will lose $1,000 and look at it like it's loose change as opposed to me as that's my livelihood. 
This is what I'm talking about. These are the people that I want to talk to. These are the people who I hope listen to my podcast. Because as an employer, as somebody who's going to be the breadwinner, as somebody who's supposed to supply stability to your employees, if you are not stable and you do not have a backbone in what you're doing, but you also don't see the value of the people who bring the joy to the clinic that you have, you're only shooting yourself in the foot. All of this that I have said is very specific, specific, it's targeted, because I don't know who's going to listen to my podcast from the spectrum that I live in. But I will say this to you and as everybody who's listening. What do you do when your career is taken from you? What do you do when the job that you want to do is no longer tangible? What do you do when you see yourself as no longer marketable because you've invested with somebody else to fit their market scheme, but that's not what's out in the job market. What do we do? Where do we go? Who do we talk to? What do we say? Is there any way to fight this? These are all questions that I had myself, and these are questions that I'm pretty sure if you're listening to me, you may have yourself if your job is in jeopardy, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with considering that as an option for yourself in your place of employment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break now. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a couple of those things because it's something that I feel like we should address in this conversation, and I appreciate you so, 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 so much for just tuning in tonight. So I'll be back. So I want to talk to everybody because I said the episode today is going to be titled Perfectly Fucking Fine. Well, what does that mean? And one of the things that I have to say as a person who is black, I am a black, non-gender conforming individual. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm gay as my life. Part of the thing that I have noticed, even as I clearly defined myself and the parameters that I just gave, I have to always be fine. I have to always be okay. And that in itself is not okay. So when I say that, and maybe you'll relate to me if you are a person of color in the workplace, when something comes to you, you don't get upset. You just have to say, it's okay. That's work policy. I have to go with it. When somebody comes to you with something, let's say somebody ate your lunch out of the refrigerator, you don't act with reckless abandonment of anger because you know you have to say, that's fine, I'll be okay. When you get called into an office full of white people, especially white women, and they tell you everything about your position is going to change, you have to sit back in that office and you have to say, okay, I'll be fine. Perfectly fucking fine is an episode title from this. Comes from the trauma that I feel in the room as a black individual who can't respond the way that they want to respond. Because my pronouns will no longer matter a thing. My gender will no longer matter as anything. Because immediately when a black person responds, we are the angry black man or the aggressive black woman. We are the angry black 
person in the room who's not listening or we are the aggressive or aggressor in the situation. <clears throat> I literally sat in a room today where people who looked nothing like me told me I would no longer have the position that I have. And then later, another person, again, who looks nothing like me, who is a white male, a white cis male, heterosexual male, says that the position in the clinic that's going to go to that has to do with outreach to people who are black, brown, or people of color went to a white cisgender woman. I was compuzzled. I was confused. But you know what I had to do? I had to sit there in that chair and say, I'm fine. Because I couldn't get upset. Because as soon as I get upset, I am the angry black man in the room. I have watched this scenario occur and happen over the next couple of days after that decision was made. Up until the point that I'm talking to you now. I have seen from a place that says that they accept LGBT, LGBTQ plus individuals, black, brown, no matter the race, color, and or greed. Talk about people, display people, including their staff, is less than in the moment it comes to actually seeing them in person. It bothers me. It makes me upset. It makes me angry because I have this feeling that's inside of me that I cannot express to anybody. As a black individual sitting in that room of white people who are telling me that I will no longer have the job that literally brought me here to work, I didn't know what to do. I looked down at my hands, my forehead was sweating, I was breathing deep breaths, I kept clasping and opening and closing my hands and fingers because I didn't know what to do with my hands in that situation because I'm so angry. But on top of that, I can't react because the environment that's been set before me tells me if I react as a Black individual, especially an individual that they are immediately going to identify as a man, I am wrong. <clears throat> now, of course, I don't feel like I'm wrong for expressing myself at all because I did end up expressing myself in that situation. But I hate the fact that I have this pressure to deal with at any organization that I go to that when I address how something is underhanded, backstabbingly wrong, I am coming at you with anger as opposed to facts. I have only ever in the situation come to people with facts. And I say this as somebody who works in sexual health and I work at one of the biggest sexual health clinics that is here in upstate New York. And this sexual health clinic prides itself on being able to connect with communities of people who are brown, black, and people of color or discriminated against or underserved. But all of the actions that they have taken have isolated the people in those communities and have only uplifted the people who are in the privileged communities of whiteness that reflect the bland brand that they put on all of their advertising. <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all. I feel like I'm speaking to somebody right now. I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't know who listens to this podcast. But there's something that I have to say. You cannot come to somebody and tell them that they are not qualified for a position that is specifically about the race that they identify with. Especially when you are on the opposite spectrum of that race. 
That's one thing I'll say. But one thing that I do want to bring in, and this is for everybody, because how do we handle these situations? I've been very, very personal that the situation that I started off this podcast with and up until this point are specific to me. But all of you listening, I'm pretty sure you have jobs. I mean, you wouldn't listen to me if you didn't have a job because I'm only available on mobile phones and networks. And I don't think Obama phones get podcasts. I'm pretty sure that they don't. But what do you do? Where do you go? How do you adapt? What do you do to adjust? First, let's break down one thing. Employment, lack of, continuing or losing. Employment is one of the biggest rushers for adults in our society. And now as an adult in in our society, I'm going to use the ages from 21 and up. That's what I'm going to rate as an adult in our society. But it is one of the biggest stressors that we can have. Because when you work a full-time job, you spend more time at your job than you do at your house. Over the long run, you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your spouse. In the long run, these are things that we have to take into account. And our job is so important to us that as Americans, it's something that we also identify ourselves with when we meet a new individuals. How many times have you gone up to someone and said, hi, I'm such and such and I do this for a living? Your job is being introduced before any other part of your personality besides your name and that greeting, which is understandable because it's such a big thing that we do for ourselves. In Japan, some people carry around identification cards to hand them out and say, this is my big, this is my business card or a meshi, which is also a business card. These are things that happen across the world. I'm not saying that's wrong, that you have a work identity. But there's a problem that comes into play when your work identity is so savagely underhanded that the people who also associate along with that work ID don't understand who you are or have a problem with it. So I'll bring myself back into this equation. I was just talking about establishing your work ID. Who you are, your work personality, it wasn't a bad thing. Where it becomes sour, where things go wrong, are when you change the employment of that individual and or yourself, and it no longer fits what they came for. So the personality I came with was Andrew, AJ, AJ Vandertunt, whatever name I go by when I start the podcast, whatever, I was that individual. I was always that individual. But when you started to take away from me, let's say you took away my beginning opening. Let's say you took away my email address. You took away the things that I used to also identify myself in this platform, but also are things that I created specifically for myself. When you snatch those things away, I no longer have a reason to talk about them, which means there's no longer energy behind those subjects. The same comes to employment, especially in the line of field that I work in. I work in STI care. So I'm like, hey, my first set of patients, yo, let's go ahead and talk. Let's get you on prep. Let's figure out what was going on. Let's do a full spectrum testing. Now my job is taken away from me in this next step, and I can't pay my electric bill anymore. 
I know that I can still pay my rent off this job, so I'm still going to keep the job. But when I come in, I'm going to treat you like you're only paying my rent and my, my, my electric bill. So as opposed to the patient who was like, oh, hey, he told me about PEP and all these things. It's going to be like, oh, well, yeah, he mentioned PrEP to me. We did my testing, but what else do we do? My job is no longer doing for me, so I'm not going to go out of my way to do for my job. This is a concept that should be clearly laid out in an employer's mindset. And I say that, and I say that because this concept isn't about holding your employer hostage with your position, but it is also making them understand that you hold value as well as they do in this relationship. My employment here is not specifically contingent on you because I can decide I don't like this at any moment and you have no say in it. You're still going to either fire me or I will quit and either way I'm going to get paid somehow. Now, even with all that being said, let's say in my scenario, we brought somebody from the prep team, their individual got hurt or injured, but at least the staff knew that we were serious employees. By them knowing we're serious employees, they're going to go more more than above the means accessible to them to figure out how to save us and help us. When they look at us that we are disposable, that we are just the kids of the prep of the clinic, we don't look like we are an asset. And this goes for every job across the spectrum. And for anybody who's listening, who's been demoted or who's having this feeling that your job doesn't value you. As a valued employee, you have the ability to go and talk to your position, to go talk to your supervisor, to go talk to your bosses and say, hey, something ain't right here. The math ain't mathing. And I just want to figure out how we can all work together and remedy the problem as opposed to the problem being remedied by people just protecting their own salary. Because typically, just like in the job that I work in, that I experience, the people who are at the top who call themselves executive leadership committees or teams, they are focused on protecting their salary and not the rest of the employees who work in the building that you work in. And that is specifically what my ELT team has done in this scenario. Now, as much as I want to go on more rants and talk about the specific employer in this scenario, one thing that I do want to talk about is also unionizing in your workplace. A union is not a bad thing. A lot of people hear the word union and they go to what they've seen in the media or what an employer has told them in the past, that the union is there to take your money or that the union is only there for themselves and it will never help your employment because what we do is already good enough for you. One of the first things I want to say when your employer comes to you and says, don't go with the union because what we do is already enough. They're saying we're paying you what we want to pay you. Don't ask for more. That's what they're saying to you. When your employer says to you that this is competitive and this is what's on the market, 90% of the time they are lying to you. 90% of the time. In the position that I work in, many of both people work, I should be paid, getting paid at least three times as much as I'm already making right now. That's based on my own job functions of what I do and what is done in other areas. The cost of living is not three times more of what I make. So for anybody who wants to come back to me and say, well, the cost of living is different than upstate New York because you live in the desert. 
it's not that big of a difference. And on top of that, that's not when it comes to base salary. So figure that out for yourselves. But there are multiple situations where people who are working paycheck to paycheck, and maybe you're an employer and you're listening to this. Maybe your employee is paycheck to paycheck. For you, a move in the salary, a move in the positions, a move in the pay doesn't affect your car payments on your Ferrari or whatever you have. But that person who's living paycheck to paycheck, if you took them from $18 an hour to let's say $17.50 an hour, that's going to affect their life in a far greater spell than you could ever understand. This is what also occurred in my current position and with a lot of people in my office. Their positions were either eliminated completely or they were transferred to something else that was not a part of the career path that they have to build life as an American, which is the American dream that we're told to aspire to, but then have also only been given a substitute position that they don't know is permanent or that either completely contradicts what they wanted to do on their career path. That is not fair as an employer. As an employer, you cannot say to an employee, well, at least you're still making a paycheck, so you should be grateful. That only builds resentment. That only builds and supports the fact that you saw your employees as expendable because you only cared to say, well, at least you can say you can have a job as opposed to saying that I have the experience that I applied to work here for. As I sit back and I relax and I try to figure out where I am in this scenario, because everything that I just ranted on, and I didn't start in a specific point, then maybe you'll understand the podcast, but it all started in a meeting that I had with my employer on this most recent Friday. On this Friday, they brought me into a room with another colleague of mine set us down and said, you will no longer be doing anything that has to do with the clinic for HIV prevention or treatment and STI care and management and risk reduction. You will only be focused on getting people health insurance, like I'm selling health insurance for free, or answering prior authorization requests, which has nothing to do with the clinic. We've been completely removed from the care of HIV prevention and transmission in our jobs. That's effectively what was communicated with us. So we don't get to have the driving force that brought us here for unemployment. Me as somebody who is HIV positive, it's always been my drive to work in an environment where I can prevent other people from getting HIV and work with people who are diagnosed so make sure that they understand this is not the end of the world and we can get you through a process that will get you back to healthy. These things were taken away from me without me having a single thing as input in those situations. And I was told in response to those things being taken away from me that I will just answer phone calls of people who want health insurance and I'll roll them through health through the New York State of Health Project. That was not only the biggest detriment to my career, but it was also a complete slap in the face from all the work and vulnerability that I have given to this clinic over the period of time to make you into what you are. It hurt. It was a very upsetting situation, and I'm not going to deny I was incredibly pissed to be the only black male who was standing there. And still, I use they, them pronouns, but to be isolated, singled out, 
And the person who let go all of these other people who look like me has a Black Lives Matter shirt on, but then can't face us the next week when we come to work is a huge motherfucking problem. We're coming to a crossroads, people. And that's one thing that I need you to understand. This crossroad is going to exist in customer service and loyalty. And at this point, I don't see anybody being loyal to Trillium. So let's figure it out. Let's figure out where we're going to go. And damn it, I didn't mean to say the name. But at this point, quite frankly, I don't give two motherfucking shits. Suck my entire dick because that's how I feel when it comes to the situation. I am going to go ahead and we're going to end tonight's podcast here. Today's, tonight's, tomorrow's, whatever you want to call it. Because whenever you listen to this, my email address never changes. Email me at lifestyle of a gay black boy. That's lifestyle G is in gay, B is in black, B is in boy at gmail.com or reach me out on the social medias at lifestyle of a gay black boy. And I'll be sure to reach out to you. No curse words limit, but I do appreciate it if you leave a five-star rating and a comment in the comment section of whatever podcast app you're using. Because as you listen to this, I get to do it more. I can't do this without my loyal listeners. So thank you. I appreciate you so much. And I'll be back with you next week. I'll see you on Wednesday at the end of the day. Bye.